0: Hey, welcome back to Level Zero Literacy. I'm Mason, dropping in at the beginning to tell you that we're about to cover one of my absolute favorite games of all time, Metal Gear Solid. During the episode, we're going to discuss topics that include, but aren't limited to, nuclear war, bodily dismemberment, gun violence, and government conspiracy, so please use your best judgment before proceeding. Also note that we're going to spoil the game beginning to end, just like always. Hope you enjoy! Hello and welcome to Level Zero Literacy. I am Mason. I am here with my beautiful co-hosts, Buck. Buck. And Sam. Hey. Today we are talking about my first video game I ever played and Which owned. Is crazy. The 1998 Hideo Kojima masterpiece known as Metal Gear Solid. Hideo Kojima was once a humble MSX game programmer working for Konami in the 1980s. He worked on, but did not direct, several what people would call MSX classics, such as Snatchers and Police Knots before being allowed to direct the Metal Gear series of games on MSX. Now, while they were good and looked back on fondly, he did not get to really flex his directorial wings until the advent of the PlayStation 1. In 1998, he would take on his first 3D stealth action game, Metal Gear Solid, part of of a 3 game series although it was not additionally planned as such where Hideo Kojima would ask the question what makes a man. Metal Gear Solid poses the answer to that question, the first of 3 answers that Hideo Kojima would give. What makes a man is his jeans. I usually wear blue jeans. I'm going to throw <laughs> I'm going to throw a
1: box at your head. So, funny thing about this game before we get into it it makes it very clear that this is a direct continuation of metal gear and metal gear 2 yeah. it's like if you haven't played those games like <laughs> which is strange because there's a <laughs> lot of retcon that goes on too mm-hmm. like a lot a surprise i
0: don't know i never played the first two metal gear oh games, see i know
1: stay. i know i've watched video essays several oh, i have, two. I have two. On, on the first two and like talking about uh, snake stopping Metal Gear once, and that it is like Metal Gear 1. And then the whole um, Zanzibar thing is yeah. Metal Gear 2. Big boss trying to create Outer yeah. Heaven. Yeah.
0: I think that's going to be, we're going to leave Sam kind of out
2: to dry if we start going into the first two games.
0: So I think we should, yeah. just for
2: his sake. I have not played this. Was, so my this playthrough was literally my first experience, my first main experience with a Metal Gear game. I, I'm familiar with some stuff. Going into it, I already knew how to do the Psychomantis fight, just because there's so many things from the Mel Gear series that are so iconic, both because of just where they were at the time and the technological achievements of Kojima, his like innovations and choices that he made that wouldn't have been done by like most game developers, which I think is really which really speaks to his style as a director
0: hideo kojima really approaches making video games as something akin to directing a movie you can see this uh, in like his wide birth of film influences the fact that he was like Probably a pioneer in using movie angles and movie like shot composition in a 3D video game. And then also he he sort of has his own sort of directorial fingerprints. Certain things that are present, like through lines throughout all of his games in any given series. For instance, in Metal Gear, it'll be like a character-based twist. The fact that the main characters fight against sort of an elite group of soldiers a sense of betrayal in all of the main characters by way of how the government or the organization that is funding the main character of the games sort of hides information from them these things all are all present they're all sort of things that that Hideo Kojima plays with in every single game in one way or another so back to the sort of Central theme of the game, this game at its core is about genetics and how genetics affect our lives, how they define who we are, and every character that has some sort of conflict in the story, that conflict can be boiled down to sort of pushing against a sense of genetic determinism. My personal favorite of of these characters i think and this is a bit of a rote answer but it's liquid snake liquid's ideology is is that of leaning into genetic
1: determinism yeah and it's it's very funny to me do we want to go into detail on it now i'd love to okay so liquid's thing is that he has all the recessive genes right he believes he has all the recessive genes so here's the thing back up one step yeah The main character, Solid Snake,
0: and the antagonist, Liquid Snake, are both clones of a a famous super soldier named Big Boss.
1: Right. And so, the thing that bothered me while I was watching this, right, is that recessive genes don't mean they are bad or weak. It just means when they show in, like, when they actually show in a body, it's because... It's only them there, and there aren't dominant genes. Yeah, and I was just so confused. <laughs> I don't know enough. I don't really know enough about genealogy to like merits. My curse of being a science teacher. Yeah,
2: Could, Kojima
0: tends to kind of blend together science and fiction. Not in a not in a literal sci-fi way, but he'll take he'll like latch on to some whether it just be like a a literally like a word like recessive genes or whether it be like a concept like how ballistic missiles are against like international treaties but magnetically propelled ones aren't right right and then he'll kind of he'll kind of make the edges a little fuzzier for the purpose of getting across his point and that's this is one of the things where i think it's very well known nowadays maybe it was less well taught in the nineties or or maybe when Hideo was growing up in like the seventies or whatever. Yeah. That dominant and recessive genes don't aren't like better or worse than each
2: other. I also think it's fine to just be like liquid snakes kinda stupid. Yeah, he is a- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kind yeah, of a little dumb. He, he's little <laughs> dumb. like he's,
2: he's 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 smart. Like tactically, he's like tactically intelligent. He's like street smart, but I could like very well see him not being like book smart because he just he he seems to have concepts of the way things work, but not actually like good yeah like grasp of those things. He's
1: very might makes right. Yeah, which is fine. It's just it's it's an
2: interesting like. You know, there's a lot of ways you can kind of explain away the concept of him just like fixating on this mm-hmm. one yeah. trait about himself. Uh, Liquid Snake is essentially the main antagonist of the game.
0: He's the leader of the Fox the Foxhound unit. Yeah,
2: essentially, a- this rogue group of terrorists have taken over a base a military base that is owned by a weapons company with the intent of retrieving big boss's body to experiment on essentially they threaten to nuke mul- multiple different areas over the course of the game to start different types of conflicts And so you are kind of progressing through and like fighting all the different members of this terrorist organization. And then eventually you do fight Liquid Snake at the end. And there's lots of spiels from him about different... He kind of like drip feeds you information as you go. It's a really good way of kind of leaving the player wondering. Like you get a little bit of information, but you never get enough until the end to kind of piece everything together. One thing I
0: like about... How liquid and really all of the larger characters are written in this game is that everyone's motivations are like surprisingly complex and well thought out. It's sort of a breath of fresh air, especially when you compare it to other games of the time, right? Oh yeah, like you absolutely. Can, I can you can describe in in like very sensible terms what liquid wants and why he wants it. He is the son of big boss. He believes that Big Boss's DNA can create super soldiers when it's cloned, so he wants Big Boss's remains to make more super soldiers to build an army. It's a continuation of Big Boss's idea of Outer Heaven, a country, like an independent country of all soldiers, right? The means by which he wants to do this is uh, starting, threatening to start a nuclear war by using Metal Gear, which is a, a nuclear launch platform that he found out by being... he's. Like, Foxhound is a rogue unit from the United States Army. They're, they're only terrorists right before the... They become terrorists, start doing terroristic actions, like, right before the events of the game, right? So before that, it's... He just knew by way of Ocelot and his connections in the military, like, that this... That ArmsTech was developing a Metal Gear. It, it's It's all... Despite being a short game that contains, like, a very small set of events, everything is very well fleshed out everything has a nice a to b
1: yeah i love and that. and this is very i'm gonna make a statement based on my experience of living as someone who like Video games were the thing I did when I was growing up, and I grew up right in like the audience range for this game. Action games like did this did not have stories like this oh, when God, this no. game came out. RPGs did, you know, you know, Final Fantasy VII came out before this game, right? Yeah. These kinds of stories, like these very fleshed out stories in games were not uncommon, but they were uncommon in like these character based action games where the main point is to like go around a place and shoot people, which is not exactly this game. This is technically a stealth game and you can't really brute force your way through most things. But this kind of story in this kind of game was as far as I'm aware, just completely unheard of. So to circle back to the main
0: sort of theme of genes and what they what they tie us down with and how we sort of supersede them. Do y'all have
2: any characters that y'all sort of want to speak to? I don't feel like I really personally resonate with a lot of any, with any of the characters in this game, but I found Psychomantis to be probably the most interesting of the Foxhound unit group. There's always something about mind reader characters that I find very interesting, especially when they're developed in such a way that they can't always control the flow of information going in and out. One of my favorite TV shows is the original Justice League. And there is a really good episode from that show where Martian Man, where they're trying to find someone i can't remember who and Martian Manhunter opens up his mind to just everyone and he's unable to like close it back off and ends up having to flee into the woods and essentially is becomes very jaded with humanity because when he opens up his mind all he hears is all, is all these like horrible greedy thoughts of all the people that are around him and the only way that he's able to come back down from that is by in the woods, there's a little girl that got lost. And all this entire like neighborhood of people is searching for her. And so I always find it very interesting in fiction when we take this concept that generally is very novel, which is telepathy, and kind of turn it on its head of what if you can't actually control the telepathy in the way that you need to. And so Psychomantis is really interesting to me because he is forced to reckon with all of these people that he's surrounded with i don't think i buy into the concept of his backstory where he dug too deep into the mind of a serial killer and like ended up becoming twisted himself i feel like that's and i'm trying not to get too theoretical on this but like it almost feels like a cover just of like that might have been the breaking point for him because he was forced to probe into the minds of all these horrible people And it might have just been that that was the one that like was over the line and it just kind of broke him. But just the concept of him that it was just this one particular instance that drove him insane I think is a little... I think is almost like a cover Mm. just for like the military having forced this man to continually do this over and over and over again on these like more and more aggressively horrible criminal minds. And then just that death scene of his where you take off his mask and he is like forced to reckon with these things again, before he dies. I think there's just something really powerful about his moment of like, I, you know, I live my life having to know that all these people around me are being dictated by their very primal instincts. And it's interesting because I think it does tie in very well to the concept of genes where it's like, yes, As a human, you can make your own decisions. You are making your own choices day to day, but a lot of the times things do wind up being dictated, at least in some part, by your primal instincts. You know, even the three of us sitting here doing this podcast is dictated by a primal instinct of needing to be social. Mm -hmm. So I, i I think he, for me, he was the most engaging, just because I love the. Conceptualization around him.
0: What I what I love about Psychomantis is that Kojima is able to communicate so much with so little. With the exception of Decoy Octopus, I believe Mantis is the Foxhound member that you interact least with, and yet so much
1: gets explored in that in that short time. Mm-hmm. So, on the subject of the genes thing, I would say the character that I found most kind of interesting is theoretical Naomi Hunter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the geneticist known as Naomi Hunter. Do you, mean, do you mean theoretical Naomi Hunter as in the person that we never meet or theoretical the, Naomi Hunter as the, the person, person that we meet. Talks, talks to us? The person we meet. That could go either way.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, to give people context for what I mean there, throughout the game, you're like second in command-ish person who does a few things to you before you leave that we might explore we will uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> is a woman who is going by the name of naomi hunter as you play the game you find out that this woman is not naomi hunter the actual naomi hunter geneticist disappeared at some point in afghanistan and the woman who you are working with is someone who has theoretically no name doesn't really know who she is and she's explained to you in the game after you find out uh from theoretical master miller that <laughs> a lot there's a you lot, of, be- layers. You there's get, a lot you of layers you
2: get you get you get betrayed by basically everyone in this every game.
1: single
0: except except you know, for otakon the be- the, uh vulcan raven vulcan raven very straight okay shooter. that's
2: fair
1: very straight shoot he just yeah, wants he just wants to, tug- to kill you wants to tug ears. <laughs> Theoretical Master Miller tells you that Naomi is obviously not who we thought she was, and she goes on to explain that because she was effectively orphaned and had no memory of her parents, that is why she wanted to study genetics so much. Because she wanted to, through gene study, try to find out who she was. And to me, that kind of concept is so interesting because it is so incredibly foreign from my own line of thinking. I don't really want to dig into the psychoanalytics of it, but I personally never really cared about my heritage, mainly just due to not having any strong family bonds, and not really caring about that, and I know some people would. But I thought that that line of thinking and the way she thought was so interesting, and I also... Really liked what Snake did at the end of the game, where he effectively lied to her. And (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like that. Oh, you didn't. I didn't like that choice. I thought it was. I I I thought it was interesting, like storytelling wise. So
2: to to, sort of explain, Gray Wolf or Gray Fox, there is a cyber. Ninja, essentially, who hunts you down throughout this game, and you learn throughout the course of the game that it is Gray Fox, who was one of your friends who you killed in Zimbabwe. Metal Gear Two in Metal Zanzibar. Gear Zanzibar in in Metal Gear Two, and Gray Fox was essentially the only familiar familial connection that Naomi had because Gray Fox raised her, essentially. And at the end of the game you learn that Grey Fox killed her, was the one that killed her parents and was supposed to kill her, but couldn't bring himself to do it. And Grey Fox in his dying moments, after saving you from the Metal Gear, is like, I want you to tell Naomi that I was the one so she doesn't feel like she has to she doesn't have to feel like she has to mourn me, essentially. I, I think I can respect the choice, but I didn't like that Snake did not tell her. It just felt very weird to me that Snake, from the majority of this game, is this very direct, to the point, succinct kind of person. And I get that it's part of his character arc to begin to develop more emotional bonds with the people that he works with. But it just felt strange to me as a choice to leave out, like to withhold that information from her because it almost I don't want to say it's malicious but right. it is it's one of those things where it's like the truth hurts but you also like need to know like this is stuff that's neat you need to so know so can
0: I can I speak to that for a minute i think that choice makes a lot of sense narratively because snake there's really two big parts of snake's character that come up very often within the story, and that's number one, Snake gets used a lot. He has very little autonomy. A lot of people are taking advantage of him and using him. That ties into sort of like him being a soldier. That ties into uh, him not knowing the whole story uh, and people constantly betraying him. And the other thing that Snake talks to a lot, this comes up a lot in his dialogue, is that he thinks that he has made the world Like a worse place. He thinks he's done a lot of harm as a soldier. He speaks like very longingly about just wanting to be a musher and not being a soldier anymore. You know, he'll even tell the other characters like, uh, "You know, being like a hero soldier kind of sucks. I don't really like it." And then he like for the first time in the events of the game, he gets some autonomy, and then he sort of tries to use it. Um, He doesn't like try to immediately sort of crush naomi's joy or like invalidate all this work she's done or like make the world a worse place he like tries in the best way he can and maybe it's a bit of a misguided way he tries in the best way he can to like use what little autonomy he's had over the course of the game
2: to like make someone happier mm-hmm. or like try and improve someone's life a little bit sure and i don't i don't necessarily disagree with that i think he could have left out the information specifically but at least could have just given a like a Naomi there's something we need to talk about at a future date. Even if he never gets that opportunity, just like Well he's gonna well,
1: he's keep gonna in die. mind keep in I'm mind gonna... Naomi is going to be probably executed after
0: this. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> then... <laughs> he's, Maybe he's allowing her to Maybe. die or at least go to jail like without having her entire worldview shattered first
2: there's a lot of things about the ending of this game that i don't necessarily draw the lines as far as like they don't like connect for me right not saying that not saying they're bad choices but there was a lot of things where i was like huh why
0: so let's talk about moments like the one moment of the game that hit super hard for you Buck.
1: Mm. so It's interesting, right? Because I think, in terms of like moment to moment hitting hard, I don't have anything that was like too incredibly hard. But I will take this time to maybe talk about Otacon a little bit. Because Otacon is such an interesting character, right? If this game was made now, I and not by Kojima, I feel like this character would have been portrayed like an incel or something. Yeah, he would, but, he would suck. He <laughs> would suck so much. He <laughs> would be awful. But again, you know, I was raised in a time like I grew up in a time when a character like Anakon was very similar to me, where, you know, he literally says the words Japanese animes. Uh, and yeah. You know, he's a scientist, and he felt he wanted to do good in the world. And, you know, whether it's good writing or not that someone so smart and good at designing machines didn't realize the thing he was building was a railgun for a nuclear weapon.
2: Especially when he's at a military base. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of ignoring that fact. I really liked the exploration of Otakon coming to the realization that even though what he was trying to do was good in the world, the science that he did was primarily twisted to bring harm. And I feel like that is probably a thing many scientists end up struggling with. I mean, uh,
2: like, I think this is a common thing in the scientific community where unless you're specifically working on creating cures for diseases it's there's so many instances where heck even even when you're creating cures for diseases right like think about the guy who made penicillin like penicillin is majority like mostly used as a cure but can do harm to people like you always have to like reckon with the effects of the things that you create when you're messing in the world of science
0: that's that's kind of why I think it was such a great idea to make him and snake so close because he mirrors snake in that way as someone who's just been used for nefarious ends
1: and and so the way otacon evolves is very interesting because again in the mirroring snake thing right talking about autonomy in the end you know otacon is very like faced with death otacon just chooses to face it and I just thought that was such an interesting thing to start with this cowardly dude who pisses his pants when you yeah. meet him. Powerful weeaboo Hate <laughs> by Kojima. Love that. And, Love that. And after going through this, he just decides, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to, you know, be a man. Right? Like, I just... Otacon as a character was super interesting to me. Like, I don't love everything about him, but I thought his arc was very good throughout the whole game. I don't know. The whole story in this game's good, you know? <laughs> I, I
0: liked how he tied into, like, it's it's something you can very easily miss, but even Otacon reckons with his genetics mm-hmm. as the third in a line of... Nuclear... Uh, yeah, nuclear scientists. scientists. Yeah, all his, his dad yeah. and his grandpa, the Emmerichs, have both been sort of their research has been used for weapons of war, and he 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 just like at there's at the beginning of the game before he has sort of gone through his character arc, he's like, well, maybe it's just sort of written into our genes that my family just brings death to people. You got a moment for me, Sam?
2: My moment was kind of the like psychomanist moment honestly I get that i like um i, I don't I don't feel like I really had. A lot of any other like strong emotional like moments in this game, mostly because some some of the moments that might have been emotional were a little eclipsed by some of my frustration in doing some of the things. I get that. I don't
0: know if I had to pick one. This is really hard. I should have thought more about this, but there's so much that I love about this game. I'm going to pick a moment that isn't necessarily like emotionally resonant to me, mm-hmm. but like really highlights everything that is Metal Gear Solid encapsulated in one scene. One of the Foxhound members is Laughing Octopus, who is, or sorry, Decoy Octopus, who is a master of disguise. Laughing
1: Octopus is a different game.
2: <laughs> Laughing Octopus is a different game.
0: That's four, right?
2: That's an actual wait. That's an actual. Character. Yeah, yes, yeah. that is an
1: actual character.
2: In, in four, well, Sam putting put. In, is, I mean, they're code names that right.
1: mean things. Sam, they are code names that mean things. I get it. Sorry, right. okay. The, right. the animals okay. that they're assigned have to do with their right, abilities. Yeah.
2: I <laughs> Look, I'm, All I'm saying is, if I got into the military and I found out my code name was a Laughing Octopus. <laughs> But terrible
0: things would happen <laughs> 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 laughing octopus is good at sucking so <laughs> 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 oh, god oh, so my my moment is going to be the moment that snake is captured and tortured which by the way i think this is a great depiction of torture in a video game it's just something that's just like morally horrendous and evil is just like we picked the the worst guy and he's just going to inflict pain on you and there's nothing you can do but try not to give in and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to make you uncomfortable and it's it's just a horrible thing you learn that decoy octopus had a sort of disguised himself as a character you met earlier in the game who had later died. You you learn this by finding the the character's corpse and finding it in a state of decay that can't that's not consistent with a guy who just died like an hour ago. And it's so perfectly encapsulates like, well, you know, everyone who you talk to in the game is being cagey and not telling you the full truth because even your allies, even your team of people supporting you aren't telling you that the reason that the that decoy octopus died was because you have been solid snake is like a virus vector they've injected him with a virus that searches out certain genetic codes and and kills people based on it
2: it's called fox die
0: the yeah it makes the foxes die the antagonists aren't being straightforward with you and just like a very straightforward sort of way. And then also Decoy Octopus disguising himself as the DARPA Chief is like incredible foreshadowing for the end of the game where it turns out Liquid Snake has disguised himself as Master Miller. And it's it's just it's such a great sort of second act foreshadowing and encapsulation of all these different themes of the game and and a and a like a microcosm of all of the different larger things at play. And it's, oh man, it's, it's awesome.
1: I personally really like how twists are handled in this game. Oh yeah. Like I, usually to me, like in most games that have weird twists, they're either way too obvious or way too out of left field. Mm-hmm. And I think this game does a reasonable job of, of making every twist Work. feasible enough. Yeah, and, and there's
2: a lot of them. There was only one twist in this game I didn't like, and that was because I figured out exactly what was happening as I was doing it, and that was when I realized that I was actually arming the nuke and not dearming the nuke. I realized like almost immediately, yeah, pretty a- much
0: straight away. Yeah, you said it was like one of the first things you said yeah. when you learned about the pal key,
2: and like. That's a twist that's very frustrating to figure out before it happens because then you as a player feel very stupid doing it right. because it's like oh I'm arming it but I have to I have to arm it now because <laughs> that's how the game is supposed to go. I don't think that's necessarily something that everyone would pick up on but that it was just more as like as someone who's consumed a lot of media and played a lot of video games, I was like oh yeah, I am actually arming it. I will say that even though I didn't like it, I still think it works because as I was progressing, a question I kept asking a lot is like, why are these people helping me? Like, why are these terrorists? Like, why did Psychomantis like, tell me where to go? You know, why was I given this key card? Like, why are they assisting me? And so it, it does... Work in that it comes full circle really nicely. It's just that if you like figure it out before you actually do it, it does. It I think it, you end up spoiling yourself a little bit on it.
1: I also personally think it's really good to have Snake just playing into the hands of both sides for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's sort of what I was
2: talking about earlier, right? Like everyone's just using Snake, and that's why the twists work is because the twists aren't like if the twists were only coming from fuck the foxhound unit or if the twists were only coming from your allies i think it wouldn't work because you would just expect it at some point but since the twists are coming from both sides you kind of end up in the situation where you're just like i can't trust anybody and i think any anything could happen at any moment and i would be like i would i would i just have to go along with it at this point
0: i also i also think like one of the things that really helps the story beats hit especially the twists is the voice acting i think it's phenomenal especially and i want to sort of speak to something that happened in your playthrough is the first time snake confronts colonel campbell and he's like colonel are you you hiding things from me and colonel campbell's like i swear to you i'm not like i don't know anything like you were immediately like, okay, like you' you despite you know the they kind of toe the line very beautifully, yeah in their performances between like well, you know like do they or don't they? like that's why like all the twists feel like they are logical and they're continuations of threads that were planted earlier and not just like random shit that comes out of left field yeah is because like the
1: the actors deliver like consistently good performances throughout you- the game. Which is also amazing. Like, how is the voice acting and performance in this game better than ninety-five percent of like the generation after? I think it's just because the directing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, like,
2: you you can have the best cast in the world, but if your director and the you know, I, I have a background in theater and directing myself. So, like, if if your director doesn't give you good. Like character motivations, if he's not doing if they're not doing a good job kind of laying the foundation of who your character is, then it's very easy to get a bad performance out of even good actors. You can really tell that Kojima and and there's been a lot of articles about how Kojima has always been very literal with how he wants his translations he doesn't want things to be translated so that they make sense he wants them to be literal and i think you can i think that works from a directorial sense insofar as when you get that into the nitty-gritty like you can tell he's a very detail-oriented person and mm-hmm, when you get that into mm-hmm. the nitty-gritty with your cast then they're going to give you better performances as a result
0: it's funny you bring that up this this game, Metal Gear Solid 1, was the the game that the translator fought hardest against Kojima. And it was mostly on it was mostly on translating the the spirit of the word versus the like the letter, down to the letter and like Kojima was very insistent that it was straight you know, like very straightforward and this guy, I think I believe his name is Jeremy Blaustein, was the translator was like he did, like, a great job c- capturing, like, the spirit of it instead. In later entries, Kojima has much more, like, a tight ship, tight control over it. This this one is, like, the furthest from what Kojima wanted of all his translated games.
1: So I have a question, I guess. Yeah. Are the voice actors always in English? Like, in the Japanese version of the game?
0: No, there's there's Japanese VAs.
1: Okay. Because I was, I don't know why I was under this impression, but I thought that it was always Kojima's intent for it to always be in English, but I don't know. Well, I think that's,
2: I think that might partly become from the fact that David Hader is just such an, like, the voice of Snake (laughs) as David Hader is just so iconic at this point that, like, I guarantee you if you ask the average person who Snake's Japanese voice actor is, they wouldn't be able to tell tell you.
0: Yeah, and David Hater probably, I think, with the exception of Meryl, Snake gives like the best performance in this. I really like Meryl's performance, but David Hater just crushes it, crushes it.
1: Man, all, I think all the voice acting is so good. Like, yeah. I I really like Liquid's voice actor, uh, especially yeah. as Master Miller. Like, I don't know, like,
0: I... and it and it's incredible that. 90 percent of the dialogue is just like two moving faces like flat faces on the codec and I think that's probably because 3d animation was like in in its very early stages but still like that that most of the dialogue happens in the codec screen and yet they deliver such great performances is is absolutely wild
2: well do you know do you know how most of the time most like voice acting is done are you familiar yeah. so generally, and I don't know if this was the case for this game, generally what you'll do is you will kind of do a group session where you'll all record your voices together for the first time. You might all be in the same booth, or you might, you know what, maybe you're doing table read or whatever. But then you will go into your individual booth, and the lines, the line reads from the other people will get fed to you through your headset so that you have something to respond to as you're delivering a line. So generally when you do, there's a lot of times when you do voice recording where you'll do kind of two recording sessions where one recording session is just everyone kind of doing a sort of a table read to get a feel out. And then you'll go into the booth and like, you know, your director might ask you for different levels or whatever, but you know, you kind of have something to give you some feedback to kind of give you a direction to put a line,
0: push the line in. That's a, that's a really cool, I didn't know that wow and another thing that's like i personally feel like the original version of the game is like so much better than the twin snakes the remake for gamecube and that's like 90 percent because the voice acting is so much worse
1: oh really it's, so, so it's, they, re, 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 they re-recorded they got all the it. same
0: people back for everyone except gray fox and i think the darpa chief they got they got most of the original cast back but they re-recorded the lines instead of just using the old recordings which were great and the new ones like suck they're like almost universally worse yeah i played the ps1 version so (laughs) oh, the twin snakes it stinks because like there's there's like a lot of good stuff in there like it's on the metal gear solid 2 engine But, like, a lot of things, like, just aren't accounted for well, and and the game comes together in, like, a lot weirder ways. Like, Snake is, like, a fucking superhuman who does, like, crazy flippy jumps and shit. The Raiden. The Raiden. Yeah. Oh, my. (laughs) And and now he doesn't do that, but, like, during cutscenes, he'll basically be, like, Superman, like, jumping through grenade explosions and shit. It's like, ugh. And, like, they they didn't take out first-person view,
1: which trivializes, like, most of the game. So, I guess, quick question, because... Well, not really quick question, just a comment. I had the... My primary exposure to Metal Gear as a kid was 2. And boy, is 2's gameplay a lot better. I yeah. I- <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I have an important question. Why... Is this
0: the thing you warned me about before the recording? A little bit. Okay.
2: So the, there's one thing about the ending that really has been itching at me. And it's... I don't understand... Why it is so important that the U.S. government believes that Snake and Merrill are dead. Because even... It, so the concept is that Snake has been infected with fox dye. And he is meant to spread the virus to all the foxhound members and cause them to have essentially heart attacks and die, right? So you have... And, and the fox dye is going to kill Solid Snake, eventually yeah that is their assumption uh, probably so if that's the case why is it so important that snake is immediately dead is it is this is it just a matter of we don't want him going to the press and getting the yes. story out like is, is that,
1: that the way they present it is it has to do with them going to the press and also they know naomi modified fox die before she put it in him
2: so they think and it might not kill Snake. Yeah, it would be my you'll,
1: guess. You'll remember
0: that when Colonel Campbell is superseded by the Secretary of Defense, he makes it very clear that he wants Snake and Merrill dead because they can't have news of armed, arms tech making the Metal Gear be out in public so it is in the united states government's best interest that everyone there is dead
2: according to the secretary of defense yeah who who is is still removed from the situation
0: however he still you know is snake is still a soldier enlisted in the united states like armed forces so is Merrill. there's still people that worked under him especially like people at Armstead, other people in the pentagon who are going to share motivations with the Secretary of Defense in that way. And since, like, it was... So there's, like, a few things that tie into it, right? One is that Secretary of Defense is obviously not
1: going to be the the only person of that mind. Sorry. I do want to emphasize that the president does actually know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Even though...
2: I'm I'm not saying the president doesn't know what happened. I'm saying that the person that was taking... I'm saying the Secretary of Defense was the one that was taking an aggressive stance. He was the one that was going to nuke the facility but he didn't actually get authority to do any of this from the he didn't get authority from the president the president knew what was going on but he didn't have the that the the way it was portrayed to me was that the secretary of defense didn't have that authority he also didn't have the authority to authorize a nuclear detonation on this facility and that's why it got scrubbed by the president even if that even if that's like not exactly what happened that's what i that's what it felt like I was being presented with.
0: So the way I've always interpreted the ending is that number one, as long as snake is alive, people are going to come after him for being the one who knows about metal gear. Cause he's like an info hazard. The other thing is that it, it sort of frees him from the bonds of the people that use him, right? It frees him from his ties to the United States government who are people that consistently have mistreated him sure. and, and used him as a tool. And it gives him like, it gives him a sense of freedom and autonomy that he hasn't had since he's been a soldier.
1: I also think it's maybe like symbolistic, like like symbolic. I think, the, I think it's kind of like a symbolic thing of trying to symbolize Snake being freed from being a soldier. Because, you know, throughout the game he does his duty as a soldier, always doing something for someone else. All, never being free to be his own person. And I think it's supposed to be symbolic of him dying as a soldier, and to be his own free man now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I don't even think I'm grasping. Do, do you
0: think that we've answered your questions, or do you think there's still a question mark there? I
2: think you, I think you've answered my questions. I just don't necessarily, I don't necessarily wholeheartedly buy into the. I, th- I think they I think they made choices, and I think there also could have been interesting exploration if the other path had been taken, I guess is the way I would say it.
0: I think also Kojima was planning two, Metal Gear Solid 2. They were originally supposed to be just two Metal Gear Solid games, and I think Snake needed to be alive for the second one. So I think this is an instance of like, w- we need to get to B so A has to happen.
1: Do you really think he was planning to?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yes, to he he wanted can, he always wanted to make two Metal Gear Solid games. Okay, everyone after that he, he really he was did. kind of forced to, but he always was planning to make two because they were going to mirror Metal Gear One and Two.
1: We're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come back to
0: this. We're gonna come we back to that okay.
1: when, when we when we play two. We're we're gonna come okay. back to this.
0: <laughs> did you have any other remaining plot questions?
2: I no, guess I don't think so. I think everything in this game makes sense in the way that it's presented even if there are some things that conceptually i felt could have been hammered a little better i think everything works out the way they wanted they had intended for it to that doesn't necessarily mean i liked all the choices i think the biggest thing that i didn't really enjoy in this game that was story related was the ending I just felt like it was a little heavy handed in its messaging. Whereas throughout the most of the game, it's very like, these are the plots and this is the plot and these are the characters and this is what is happening to the characters and we want you to draw your own in- inferences from them. The ending is just like, now we're just telling you what you should be thinking about what is happening. And I was like, I was a little disappointed with just how. Naomi in quotations was just like repeating this phrase over and over and over. And it's, I, it was like, I understand why you're making this choice because I think the idea is that snake has never really, as bucket alluded to has never really had the option to live as a free man. So it's important to like hammer it into him that he now has the opportunity to make his own choices. But, sitting there as a player even though it made sense as far as character motivation it felt very forced from a player perspective
0: i think it was important to kojima and i think this is highlighted especially in the monologue that snake delivers after the credits i think it was important to kojima to make sure that even though he was making an action game that no one thought of like metal gear or what arms tech was doing is good that no one misconstrued this as a pro nuclear proliferation message that no one misinterpreted like what was happening during the events like that it was correctly interpreted as a tragic tale. And I think he probably laid it on a little thick. however, we'll go over this when we go over Metal Gear Solid 2. He did not lay it on thick enough. A lot of what a lot of the development of Metal Gear Solid 2 and a lot of the writing of Metal Gear Solid 2 changed drastically from the first write-up as a result of fan reaction to Metal Gear Solid 1. What happened when the game came out and how fans interpreted the story originally frustrated Kojima to such a degree that he drastically altered metal gear solid 2
1: okay that actually that actually you saying that actually kind of addresses why i was curious about 2 being planned
2: i mean that's disappointing to hear because like
0: well this was like the first in a lot of ways this was the first foray into a game with a story like this so like we were gamers were not primed to to
1: interpret a story like this and but like when you beat the game the last images you see are literally are Wikipedia articles about the current state of nuclear weapons in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, I mean, people might not watch all the credits, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We we have to go. There's going to be,
0: we're going to cover this extensively when we go into, when we go into Metal Gear Solid two, because a lot of like Kojima took a very harsh reactionary sort of step against fan like reception of Metal Gear Solid 1 and it's going to cover a lot of what I think you're you're sort of grappling with right now because like a lot of people saw a lot it's so much to get into and without having the events of Metal Gear Solid 2 and that framework it's just going to sound like nonsense.
1: Yeah. It, so like cuz the thing is, right, it's so amazing to me that this game is not perceived as Anti-war, anti-soldier. Even though this game does not lay on the super-thick anti-war sentiment that is in the later games. I, Obvious, I, I don't know. I
0: mean, I, I liquid snake wanting now. liquid snake wanting to rebuild Outer Heaven is pretty plainly, and I think I don't think
1: you can misinterpret it right, as like a right the main villain, thing. the main yeah. You know what? You're right. Like because yeah, because you know. Obviously Liquid is portrayed as a true villain in this game and obviously his his ideology of might makes right and soldiers should be the people making decisions is portrayed as a bad thing. I think I think the hard part is people's inability
2: to like see how Liquid Snake's ideology is, liter- is almost just one for one transfer to the US government in this game especially <laughs> right. when you take in, especially when you learn the context that the president of the United States is another snake yeah. right
0: so like and and literally working to undermine foxhounds.
2: right so I, I th- that might be where some of the 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 line becomes hard for people to cross. Whereas, like, it's very easy when there is a, you know, almost comedically evil antagonist, right? But when you try to mirror that onto the people that ha- you've been working with, especially, you know, as far as, like, the government, I think pe- that's where people might get lost.
0: I also think this was, this in America, at least, this was given to a nation that was pre-Iraq War. That was before the sort of, video gaming generation had their sort of vietnam moment where they were able to see like how horrific it is um you know i'm not gonna like sit here and pretend that people in the 90s didn't know that war was horrific like desert storm had just happened but like you know the people who were playing this game were younger they they didn't think about that maybe they were primed for a little bit more of a reactionary pro sort of action hero type type stance to this maybe
1: yeah and and I mean, if you don't think about what happens and don't talk about the talk on the codec and don't pay attention to the thing Snake says. Sam, <laughs> I did not do that. I think it is much easier. But like if you spend a lot of time in the codec, you can really get because like I one thing that I did when I played this and if you're listening to this and you haven't played it. I talked on the codec as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Like, I after every cutscene, I went and talked to everyone. And, like, just the world... It, it's so amazing to me how much effort went into this game, but you can just miss if you don't do that.
2: There's so many, like, small Easter eggs that I would never find ever. Literally ever. Mason was told... We, after the second Sniper Wolf fight... Mason was like, "Hey, go lean up against that fence in that one, this one really specific spot." And when you do, you see a parachute from where uh, Liquid Snake had ejected himself out of the helicopter and parachuted down. But it's like it's in the front right corner of the room. There's like nothing there, there's and literally you have nothing to press over there. up against the wall. So there's no reason you would ever ever find this if you are just like a cat like it, even in multiple playthroughs i don't think there would ever be a reason for you to find something like that which it's it's impressive i do love when developers put that attention to detail but i feel like when you do stuff like that there needs to be something minuscule to
1: tell the player that it's there so it's, even go, go yeah, ahead sorry I, I, just on this note Even the obvious things I think are so cool. Like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to praise Kojima too much throughout this whole podcast since this podcast is about the story of the game. But, like, it is so obvious how much Kojima, like, loves video games. Uh, Like, because, so the sniper wolf handkerchief thing is so, it's so cool to me. So, like, Kojima is forcing you to backtrack, right? And,. Auticon gives you Sniper Wolf's handkerchief, and if you put it on when you go through the cave full of wolves, they don't attack you when you go through it. And I, oh, I love that. Like so cool. There's so many small things like that throughout this whole game that you won't even be able to experience from listening to this, so you should probably still play it. Although I don't... I do think the amount of, like, backtracking and repeat things you have to do is a little obnoxious.
0: You, you want to know how I found the parachute? Um, So you had a lot of problems in this game with the camera, and that's, like, one thing where we wholeheartedly agree. I think the camera is awful. But one thing you that happens when you press up against walls is you get new camera angles that are, like, super helpful in a lot of places. So... Over the many times I've played the game, I just made it a habit to press up against all the walls to get as much information as I could about the sort of 3D space without using first person view because it leaves you, you have to like be out in the open looking at whatever you want. So eventually I just like pressed up against all the walls and like crawled under all the spaces.
2: My favorite thing was during my playthrough when there was the long bridge with the soldiers on the other side and I <laughs> oh, pulled yeah. out the Nikita. And you and I like <laughs> I shot them with the Nikita, and you're like, "Wait, that's not how you're supposed to do that." <laughs> I
1: always that was always a sniper section to me. Yeah, I, I always I, or I I did snipe that section. It was just
2: interesting to it. You can tell you know like a stealth video game is well made when you can watch someone play it for the first time and they come up with a with the way of doing something that you've never thought of before has not even crossed your mind
0: you also did vulcan raven like way different than i normally do
1: yeah i nikita'd him i always claymore and like run him around oh that makes sense i i liked doing the nikita though (laughs) like the way the area was designed i'm like this looks yeah all the straight paths and stuff i did nikita and then i did some claymores (laughs) as well
2: Anything anything else plot wise y'all wanna talk about?
0: Quick thing, you can also do Sniper Wolf 2 by Nikita. I think that's the speedrun way you do it actually. One thing that I I find like pretty funny is that Kojima was like, Ooh, the controllers vibrate in this generation of games. I'm gonna do something fun with that. And he is I swear to you, I've played like every Kojima game. Every single game on a new system, he does that shit. If there's like some new novel feature, he's like, Oh, I'm gonna find a way to like make make something fun out of this death stranding i played was the first it was it was first on ps4 and i played it on ps5 and they have a speaker in the controller and the controller has like six axis movement so you like rock your little baby and it like coos to you through the controller and shit and like every one of his game, he you know the the game boy game that you have to take out into the sun yeah buck time. yeah that's a kojima game i learned that He's just like, oh, we can put like a little, we can put like a little UV chip on this. So we're going to do that now. I, I don't know. Play I,
1: video games outside, nerds. you Kojima, Kojima truly told gamers to touch grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: so good. <sighs>
1: was there something like that with PT? Did he do
0: anything like that in the PT?
1: Not that I recall. The, the PT was just like esoteric as hell. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was just weird. Any any way. final thoughts, anyone? I'm looking forward to playing the second and third game in this series. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how the as as I I don't know, Buck, if you've played all the games in this series, but as someone I who is
1: am aware of the story of two.
2: Okay, so I, as someone who has literally like no experience, I'm interested in like seeing how this develops out. Two and three
0: are the only ones we're gonna plan on playing because four and five while gameplay masterpieces, the story is just a four and five, I personally think are awful. Like untenably bad. But yeah. So that's going to wrap us up this week for level zero literacy next week or next episode. We're playing Yakuza. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh yeah. Next episode is going to be Yakuza Kiwami. So as long as you're keeping up, go ahead and grab that and play it. You can get it on Steam. It's on PS plus extras here. I'm sorry. I'm doing this in post. We messed up the game. So you can play for free if you have PS plus extras here. I'm Sam. I've been Mason, Buck, Sam, anything else? That's all I got. All right. Thank you for tuning in.